Good morning, church. Good morning if you're with us online right now as we're live streaming. Good afternoon or good evening if you're playing catch up. Um, how's your week been? How are you getting used to being locked down in your homes? Uh, we'd love to hear from you what you've been up to. And I know that pictures have been flooding in from Jonathan's talk last week um, with your uh, pictures of what your homes look like. So thank you for that. Um, welcome to any newcomers, whether you're new to Life Church or whether you're just joining us online for the first time. We want to thank you for taking time out of your day to be with us as we celebrate our King Jesus. We have got Josh Lou Luke Smith uh, speaking to us today, which I'm really excited about. It's definitely a word in season. It's an encouraging word, but it's also challenging. And um, I, I know that I've already listened to it and I know that it's really going to speak to your souls this morning. So just a few notices before we move on. Um, for those of you who are new to online church, I just wanted to point out a few of the key features of the platform that we're using. So on the window in front of you or on the screen in front of you, you'll notice it's divided up into a few different areas. So you've got your main video area, which is where you're looking at me right now. And you also have a, a chat box, which you can start talking to people through text. Um, you've also got an opportunity to ask for prayer as well. So I really want to encourage you to utilize those facilities. But if you, if you do find that distracting, you can click on the button on the, on the video screen part, which will enlarge it and go full screen for you. So you can be fully immersed in, uh, in just the, the video feed. So yeah, so I just want to encourage you to engage in this new way of being church. Yes, it might feel a little bit awkward and clunky at times, but you know what? This is a, an amazing tool that we have to carry on being church, being the body of Christ in this season. So some important notices for the week ahead for you. So next Friday, April the 10th, which is actually Good Friday, we're actually going to be having a day of prayer and fasting. Uh, obviously, with what our country is going through, what the world is going through right now, I just think it'd be a, a great time for us to join together um, in our hearts, in unity, in just um, praying for our nation, praying for our city, praying for our families. And what we'll do, we'll send out some more information in the week ahead with some specific guidelines of, of how to pray and what to be praying for. Then next Sunday is Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. It's a time of celebration for us. So I really encourage you to be online with us next Sunday. Also next Sunday um, in the evening, we're gonna be having an evening service from 6.30 for an hour. And it's really gonna be digging into the evidence for the resurrection. So that's gonna be a really exciting time. So please join us then at 6.30. And remember to check your emails for any e-shots and any updates that we might have for you. That's really crucial that we keep you up to date. And then lastly, just make sure you're watching out for one another. Stay connected with each other. There's so many different ways you can stay connected, even if it's over the fence to your neighbor with your good two meters apart. You know, stay connected with people, stay connected with the body of Christ, stay connected by encouraging one another in, um, in this season where there might not be quite that same amount of interaction that people normally have. Okay, so I want to start off our time this morning with um, a passage out of Psalms. Psalms is that book which is actually my go-to book because it encapsulates the full spectrum of human experience, but it always brings us back to praise. So I want you to join me. This is actually start, we're starting our worship right now. And so if you want to have a look at Psalm 108, you can read with me. I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. And it starts with this. 
My heart, O God, is quiet and confident, all because of you. Now I can sing my song with passionate praises. Church, before we begin our sung worship, I want to actually just take a moment right now for us to still and quiet our hearts, to allow the presence of God to come and permeate and saturate us, even now where you are sat, to come into our, into our living rooms, into our spaces, with that tangible presence of God. So let's just take a moment. If you want to close your eyes, we're just going to wait on the presence of God just for a few minutes. It goes on to say this, Awake, O my soul, with the music of his splendor. Arise, my soul, and sing his praises. I will awaken the dawn with my worship, greeting the daybreak with my songs of light. Guys, this morning, just like David does throughout the Psalms, we're going to speak to our souls to awake, to arise, and to sing his praises. To awake, to arise, to sing his praises. Wherever I go, I will thank you. All the nations will hear my praise songs to you. Your love is so extravagant, it reaches higher than the heavens. Your faithfulness is so astonishing, it stretches to the skies. Lord God, be exalted as you soar throughout the heavens. May your shining glory be seen high above all the earth. Come to your beloved ones and gently draw us out. Answer our prayer for your saving help. Come with your might and strength, for we need you, Lord. Yes, Father, this morning we come and we ask that you'd come with all of your might and strength. We acknowledge our need for you today. Let's just jump down to verse 10. It says, But who will bring my triumph into Edom's fortresses? Lord, have you really rejected us, refusing to fight our battles? I just want to say right now that keeping our eyes on Jesus is one of the best weapons of warfare that we have. One of the enemy's main tactics is to take our eyes off Jesus by being distracted by the battle, to be more aware of circumstances and challenges of life than we are of the presence. So we need to keep our praise on, keep our love towards him on, not denying facts, but denying the facts, any influence on our hope or on our faith. And it finishes off with this, give us a father's help when we face our enemies, for to trust in any man is an empty hope. With God's help, we will prevail with might and power. And with God's help, we'll trample down our every foe. Our hope this morning, church, is not empty. Our hope is the eager, confident, joyful expectation of good. It is the foundation of faith. So people, let's keep meditating this morning on our King, the one with the solutions and the strategies to see us thrive and not just survive. So as we go into this time of worship, let's keep our attention, our affection on the one who reigns victorious, the giver of life, our healer, our provider, our steadfast, faithful King. So Jesus, this morning, we love you, we adore you, and I ask for every single person logging on to this online service today that they would encounter the living God, that they'd be captivated this morning by your beauty, drawn into your heart and made aware of your affection towards them. In the name of Jesus. 
Amen.
Yeah. 
Hey, good morning, guys. I hope this finds you well and you're sat comfortable with your coffees and your teas and your toast and jam, which you can't actually get to do on a usual Sunday morning, so that's fun. Uh, I'm honored to be sharing this morning from wherever you're watching and um, looking forward to getting into the scriptures with you and sharing a little bit about something that Karen and I have been going through in the recent days. Uh, the scriptures tell us that in God we live and move and have our being, which is this incredibly mysterious image. But what it says to us is we're all living out these individual unique expressions of our lives and yet we're doing so with this collective unity because we actually live in God. And so often when I find uh, I'm hearing people's stories, whether triumphant or it's stories of tribulation, there's something that is collective about it. I might not have been through what you're going through. I might not be rejoicing in exactly what you're rejoicing in, but in him we live and move and have our being. So there's something of Christ in you and your experience which I connect to. So I really hope that as I share on the scripture and I share our story, that there's this kind of unity in, 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 in the manner in which we receive it. So you could open up your Bibles to Romans 5. Uh, Romans is a very special book. If you haven't read Romans from the beginning to end, do it. Romans is a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome uh, from Corinth. And it's probably one of the most systematic foundational uh, books in the New Testament where Paul is outlining Christian doctrine. And uh, the, the premise of the book of, book of Romans is to highlight the need for salvation. It, it, it's a book that really makes the gospel so clear in what it is, man's dependency, man's need for God to be saved. And we're gonna get into it from Romans 5, which is towards the middle of the book where Paul has already gone through a lot of explanation of for the Jews and the Gentiles, what it means to be someone who needs God and is really now getting into what it means to live th throughout uh, our lives as those that represent Christ. And, uh, and I think for where we are right now, what we're going through, it couldn't be more profound and more important. So let me read this to you. This is Romans 5. Uh, I'm gonna read from, chapter, from verse one of Romans 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Verse three, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. That's a beautiful scripture. And I'm sure many of you have, you, of you have heard it a million times before. It's a scripture that I definitely grew up hearing. Uh, suffering produces endurance, endurance, character, character, hope. And it's one of those scriptures that it might not really make sense until it becomes the word made flesh in your life, until you suddenly see it articulated and revealed in a way which it just hadn't done before. And for many of us, that's happening right now um, with everything that's going on. And for Kara and I, uh, just very recently, we had an ordeal and an experience where this scripture just became so flesh. You know, John says the word became flesh. And we believe that this book, these words are made flesh amongst us. They're real, they're tangible, they're alive and active. And so sometimes in your life, you experience a scripture become flesh. It becomes realer than it was before. And uh, just recently, Kara, who is 30 weeks pregnant now with our first child, was experiencing these really intense pain in her stomach. 
And um, it was going on for a couple days. We thought it was muscular, but it reached a point that it was just unbearable. It, and she, she just couldn't take it anymore. And so we ended up going to the hospital two in the morning, uh, one night. And uh, we, we got there and, and the nurses, the midwives were trying to work out what was happening to no avail. They just couldn't figure it out. They were doing various tests and just couldn't understand what was happening. And all the while, Kara is in excruciating pain. I've never seen someone in so much pain. Um, but she's just, she's just trying to get through every single minute, breathing her way through it as they're trying to work out what's going on. And it was, uh, it was in the middle of the night. It's about three, four in the morning. I've been pacing up and down the wards, just praying, asking every nurse and doctor that came past me if they could tell me anything more, which they couldn't. And I walk back into the ward and Kara's lying on the bed and she just has this demeanor about her which is just a little more peaceful, a little bit more relaxed. And so I asked her if she had some painkillers. And she said, no, um, but I've just met the midwife which is gonna be uh, treating me and caring for me throughout the night. I said, okay. She's like, yeah, she's gonna be one that's caring for us. And I said, what's her name? And she said, her name is Hope. I said, really, her name's Hope? And she said, yeah, her name's Hope. And there was this tranquility in Kara, this peace in her. And so I sat down at the chair next to her and just held her hand. And this scripture just came to mind, this scripture that I've heard so many times before, this scripture that I've meditated upon, memorized, it became flesh in this new way as I'm holding her hand. Suffering, the Apostle Paul says, suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character and character produces hope. I wanna be a hopeful person. I think you want to be a hopeful person as well. I think when we meet someone who's hopeful, it's hard to describe, it's hard to distill exactly what we mean by that, but we can feel it, it's an essence, it's something which is oddly tangible. This person is hopeful and we want it. And so we kind of try and work out ways that we can formulate it in our personality and express it in different manners. I wanna be a hopeful person. But the Apostle Paul makes it clear that hope is the expression of these three things that he explains, suffering, endurance, and character. And so suffering is, uh, suffering is our present troubles. The, the, the Bible, uh, the New Testament makes no, no kind of uh, excuse, no, uh, doesn't dumb down the fact that we live in a time that is full of trouble and tribulation. Ephesians 6 puts it like this, we live in a war. The battle that we fight isn't flesh and blood and much like this virus which is around us is invisible. It says the war that we're in is in the spirit. It's between the principalities and powers of darkness. It's, it's not tangible. And Paul in Ephesians then goes on to talk about how the church should be equipped for this war, but we are in a war and it's full of tribulation and it's full of unanswered questions. If you've ever seen a war movie, I recently saw um, 1917, and there's these very, what feel like very real glimpses of the front line, the trenches, and it's just, chaos. It's absolute chaos and calamity. Bullets flying, explosions happening, soldiers running into each other. It's not clear really who's who and what's happening, but just pain and destruction. And although we don't see it on a day-to-day -day basis, the Apostle Paul writes to us, that's the reality of this age. We live in a war. We live in a battle. And Paul is writing this scripture as someone who is very aware of it, both spiritually and physically, Paul has lived through a very trying and very tested life. Uh, if, if you're on Instagram, you know that the most common thing people share is these little wisdom tags, right? And, and there could be this, 
I don't know. I, let, let me be honest. I've been this person and maybe you have as well. So it sounds like I'm sh th throwing shade at them, but let's be honest, I've been there. You know, you got this, you got this 15, 16 year old who sat in their room just posting out sage-like wisdom, you know, and it's all around the internet and it's cool. It sounds good. But so often these words haven't been paid for. You know, these are phrases that um, sound good, but they haven't been lived. The word has not become flesh. Words are expensive. They cost something. And so when Paul writes about suffering, he is writing as someone who's paid for the words that he's using. Paul, uh, man, I don't even know where to begin. Paul was shipwrecked. <laughs> Paul was abandoned. Paul was imprisoned. Paul received lashes. Paul was stoned. Paul went through it and it's believed that Paul ended his life uh, by it being executed. So when Paul talks about suffering, not just physical suffering, but spiritual suffering, this is a man who knows what he's talking about. He's writing the book of uh, the letter to the church in Rome from Corinth and Corinth is this crazy place. Corinth is uh, this kind of expression of immorality and sinfulness and he's around the chaos. So he's writing with a very true real perspective of what he's talking about when he talks about suffering. We have this choice when we suffer. We can ask the existential question of why over and over again. Why do we suffer? Why has this happened to me? Why am I going through what I'm going through? And there's a place for that. And absolutely, we should, we should, we should talk to God with that and pray with that. That's what the Psalms show us. But the why questions uh, just don't lead us to the peace that that deeper part of our soul desires. Paul writes, he says, I pray that you receive the peace of God that surpasses your understanding, the tranquil state of a soul assured in Christ. So what Paul's saying is actually the peace that you're looking for surpasses understanding. The peace that you're looking for is, is beyond your question of why. So in suffering, the better question is what now? This is the case. This is happening around us. Right now, in this moment, we can all agree 2020 isn't going the way we expected it would. 2020 isn't shaping up like we expected it would be. But we're here now and the world is collectively grieving and mourning and confused and working out what to do next. So instead of asking why, let's ask what now. This is, all, this is what we do know. John 10, John talked about this. He said, uh, Jesus said, I've come to bring life and life in abundance. And one other has come to kill, steal and destroy. That's the thief, all right? So there's two sides to this world. There is the good shepherd, the loving God, and there is the thief who's come to kill, steal and destroy. So we know that there's, there's these two opposing forces of fear and love and they're at war with one another. Now we have to make the daily decision each and every moment of our life to move towards the shepherd, to follow the rabbi, to go in the ways of Jesus. And Paul says, from our suffering, when we do that, when we choose to move towards love and we choose to abandon our existential questions and actually ask more, more, more tangible questions of, well, who do I become now? What now? We move towards Jesus, which as a result builds within us, Paul says, endurance. Eugene Peterson in the message message calls it a passionate patience, right? A passionate patience is what endurance is. I'm going through this and I'm going to keep on going. Kara's lying in this hospital bed, enduring her suffering. Let me tell you how she was enduring her suffering. I don't know how. I, I took a picture of it and I put it on social media because I was just so fathom, just, just mind blown by her. She, she was lying there smiling 
and we would chat and, and pray and then she would laugh and then she would wince. And I looked at her and this word just kept becoming made flesh right in front of me. This beautiful darling wife of mine, 30 weeks pregnant, going through all this pain, smiling. She didn't ask one question that would cause her more affliction. She wasn't like, why is this happening? She was enduring in it and it created this space to receive something in the moment. And it was so, so powerful. I, I shared this story once before, but I, I was talking to my grandma um, about my great grandfather, her father, who was a soldier in the First World War. And he received a medal for bravery. And he received this medal because he threw himself over an explosive device and it blew apart his leg. Um, but he had to lay stranded in this no man's land for three days, lying in this dirt with his leg blown to pieces, bleeding out. And he was later awarded the medal for, for bravery, for courage. And she told me this story and I remember saying to her, the closest I've been to no man's land for three days is being without Wi-Fi. You know, like I have no manner of connecting with what my great grandfather went through. This endurance, right? We only receive that passionate patience when we decide what we're gonna do with our suffering. When we decide what we are going to do with our suffering. Will we allow our suffering to be the context in which the voice of an orphan and a victim is just announced within us? Why? I don't deserve this. I'm entitled to more than this. And we can do that and there's a space for that. But if we stay there, it won't, Paul's saying this, it won't lead us to a place of endurance. We'll fall at the first hurdle. We won't develop courage. We'll just think of every reason why we shouldn't be going through this rather than what we can do with what we're going through. It says in the scriptures that Jesus went to the cross. Jesus was hung on a Roman torture device, beaten and bruised, scarred for the joy that was set before him. Paul says in the scriptures, know that these momentary afflictions will be eclipsed, surpassed by your coming glory. There is something within the follower of Christ that says to become like him is to look at what we're going through and saying, ah, this isn't how it ends. This isn't how the story ends. And therefore I am going to decide who I become within it as a result. And the only reason I can say this with confidence isn't because I have done this, but it's because my life is full of the stories of people who have suffered far greatly than I have, who have done just that. And it's them that have inspired me the people that keep looking up when others look down. And so Paul says, throughout that endurance, we then receive a character unlike any other character. Again, in, in the message, uh, the, Eugene Peterson says it, calls it this, the tempered steel of virtue, right? The tranquil state of a soul assured. We become someone that could not have been um, born <laughs> realized without that endurance from suffering. So when we talk about character, we're not talking about an evolution of personality. We're not talking about positive thinking. We're talking about suffering well. We're talking about endurance. When someone has character, it's someone who's decided what to do with their suffering. When they look to the skies with blame and anger, or will they realize deep inside, deep, deep within them, I get to decide who I become in this. I get to decide how this story is eventually told. That's what Jesus shows us. In his last 
moments of life, Jesus prayed for us. As he hung on the cross, afflicted, bleeding, bleeding, bruised, he prayed for us. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. When Jesus found out that his cousin John had been executed, he went away to a desolate place to grieve and to pray, but he found that he was met with a crowd of people. And it said he had compassion upon them. Jesus decided what he would do with his suffering. That's the true expression of character. When you're in that place, and we all have the opportunity now more than ever to, be, to, 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 to pursue that expression. When you're in that place, you're hopeful. See, the person who is hopeful, what well, is nothing that you can do to throw them off their course because they didn't arrive to a place of hopefulness because they were convinced that it was the most intellectual manner in which to live. It's not because of the evidence that they're hopeful. It's because of something much deeper. It's because of how they've chosen to live throughout their suffering. In Hebrews, it says this. Let me read this to you. Faith is the assurance of what we hope for, the evidence of what we don't see, right? Faith is the assurance of what we hope for. Faith is the belief that we're walking towards the thing that we hope for. It's the evidence of what we don't see. So check this out. When someone says, why are you hopeful? Like, what evidence do you have to be hopeful? Your response is, my evidence is the fact that I am. My evidence is the fact that I am hopeful. Because we're all going through the same thing. We're all going through this collective human experience of pain and suffering. And some of us choose to be victims and some of us choose to blame every single person and every situation and ultimately God. And some of, of, of us end hopeful. My evidence for what I believe is the fact that I am hopeful that despite it all, I believe that the story isn't older, over. Despite it all, I believe that every good thing in this world is the evidence of a world that is to come. The evidence of what I believe is the fact that I am hopeful. Colossians 1:27, Christ in me, the hope of glory. The evidence of Christ in you and Christ in me is the hope of that which is to come. And some of that is, is, is here and now. I believe that this virus doesn't last forever. I'm hopeful for the world that we have post this virus. I'm hopeful for the manner in which families and communities are brought together and greater spiritual conviction and appetite is born as, as a result. But I, I'm really hopeful. I'm really hopeful for the kingdom that is here and the kingdom that is coming and the kingdom that will be established. That's what I'm really hopeful for. And so my prayer for us this morning, church, is that we would suffer well, that we wouldn't just try and find answers for how we get out of this, our personal afflictions and our collective afflictions. Is it important to pray? Of course. Is it important to declare? Of course. But Romans 5 tells us that hopefulness is in direct relationship to how we suffer, how we endure, and the character that is born as a result. So let me pray for us. Father, I, uh, I thank you for all that you are doing in our midst right now. I thank you for what you're doing this morning. I thank you for what you're doing around this nation and around the world. That Lord, you are bringing us to a collective awareness 
of our need for you, Lord. We've been stripped of our materialism. We've been stripped in many respects of the things that we so often depend upon, our shopping and our food and all our luxuries, Lord. May may we in doing so become increasingly aware of our need for you, of a deeper spiritual awareness, a spiritual awakening. May that be the fruit of this labor and of this season. Lord, I thank you that every person watching this can say it's in Christ in me, the hope of glory. And I pray that Lord, over these coming days, weeks, months, Christ in us, the hope of glory will be more and more realized in Jesus' name. The, uh, the next time I see one of you, whether it's on FaceTime or, or whatever, I'm gonna say the Christ in me recognizes the Christ in you because I can taste the hope that you carry. The Christ in me recognizes the Christ in you. Paul said, it's no longer I who live, it's Christ in me. So the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith. In the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. Amen. Wow, what an amazing word from Josh. Thank you so much, Josh. We really appreciate the the fact that you spend time in the presence to hear the voice of God for a word that's in season for us today. And I just want to highlight a couple of things that Josh, Josh said in his speech, in his talk. First one is, who am I going to become? We get to decide the person that we come out at the end of this season being. Are we going to come out as people of faith? Are we going to come out with a sense of perseverance? Are we going to come out with a sense of expectation for the miraculous? Are we going to come out having thrived in this season or just survived? Are we going to be people of character? Are we going to be someone who endures and perseveres through trials? And one of the things that really stuck out for me was to become a person of hope requires that we go through suffering. And you know what? So many of us um, struggle with suffering and our question is always, God, when are you going to get me out of this? Rather than, God, what are you trying to teach me in this season? What are you wanting me to grow in this season in character? So I just want to really encourage you. It's like we, um, we can receive the word of God and we can stay the same or we can receive the word of God, attach our faith to it, and we are never the same again because we become more like Jesus. So in wrapping up, I just got a few things I want to encourage you with. I want to encourage you to be generous, not just with your finances, but with all the resources that you have. Generosity is actually a heart attitude and it actually speaks to our finances, it speaks to our time, it speaks to every resource that we have available to us. So I just wanna encourage you uh, to be generous with the people around you, with your time, with your finances, whatever God is calling you to do. Let it be something that actually sets us apart, that we are a people that even in lack get to be generous. And if you're on this service and you actually don't know Jesus, you don't have a relationship with him, but you've really been sensing that your heart has been stirring, you can actually hear the voice of God calling you by name. I just want to encourage you to enter into a chat um, with one of our team. Um, They would love to spend some time just chatting with you about what it looks like to have a relationship with Jesus and have him as Lord of your life. And then lastly... Um, I woke up this morning with a scripture on my heart from the Gospel of John, and it's actually from John chapter 14, and it says this, I leave the gift of peace with you, my peace, not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but my perfect peace. Don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. 
instead be courageous. So church this morning, I bless you today to be courageous. I bless you to thrive. I bless your finances that you would lack no good thing. I bless you to prosper in all things. I bless marriages to thrive, to grow in intimacy. I bless the relationships between parents and children. I bless the homeschooling that's happening and going on right now. I bless minds to be creative and to come up with heavenly solutions. I bless you in your studies and in your work of your hands. And I bless your homes with peace. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Amen. 